Today is Wednesday, April 2nd, 2014, and this is Radio Wave. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje, and uh, tonight a friend of Medjugorje will be sharing with us a message we received earlier this morning through Mariana, a very special message from Our Lady, as all her messages are special, to lead us on a path of conversion and holiness for today's man. And so as we begin this broadcast, we ask you to open your hearts in prayer as we turn Radio Wave over to our host, a friend of Medjugorje. We've fallen into a pattern of anticipating Our Lady's 25th message during the summer Yvonne's program messages on the mountain, the second of the month messages, and those extra things that might happen around the anniversary. And that pattern is something that really is an excitement. It's kind of like I remember when we were in school, in grammar school, they'd always bring in the television and for a Saturn launch of the... Saturn V and the first missiles that went off, Mercury and all those others. And it was history. And it was such a significant that no matter what class we were in, we all had that moment we stopped. Oh, 9-11 was no different. Everybody stopped. There was no planes in there for three days. Everybody stayed, went home, glued to the television, glued to the radio, glued to the news and whatever was happening at that moment. And yet we have the second greatest moment in time in history. A little booklet's out about that. That so few people grasp the moment, which means they don't seize the moment. We begin our second month preparations the day before. There's a certain excitement. Sometimes there's a intervention in what you plan to do. You realize, oh, tomorrow is the second of the month. And then realizing you need to get to bed early, which you never do, because we have to start early in the morning, and often laying in the bed waiting to 3 o'clock or so to thinking the messages is coming in. It may come in at 4, it may come in a little bit less than, or later than that. This morning I think it came in at 5. But nevertheless, we're creating memories of something that we will miss when these apparitions are over. Because they're not only historic on a human level, they're eternally historic, if you want to say there's something historic about eternity. I can't imagine that this life we spend on our on earth is for one reason, our purpose in life is one reason, and that's really to give us a test where we'll spend eternity. 
that this blip, this second, this speck of time on a framework of millions of years in the future where we were still with God, that we're going to forget that? That we're going to wonder what we're in heaven for, why we made it, why we're we're wearing certain crowns or certain garments? The rewards of, of turning away from evil, turning away from sin, that we won't be telling war stories. The battles that took place. If heaven has it in scriptures about the battles of the angels and they went through a testing period, you think they've forgotten about that? Why they're there? This life on this earth is for one purpose, a test to see where you'll spend eternity. And you're tested at the end of your life. You flunked here. You made a D average here. You made an A plus here. Our lady gave a message that Give, Satan, give Jesus the victory. The week before she warned that Satan wants to tempt you. And we give Jesus the, the, when, you, when you resist that, you give Jesus the victory. And so we see this in the 25th message already talking about the battle. March 25th, she says, Begin the battle against sin as the first days go to confession and decide for holiness. It's wonderful that he says, Begin. The love of God will begin to flow through you and into the world. Peace will begin to rule in the hearts, and God's blessing will fill you. I can't imagine contemplating God's plan of salvation, the way Christ came to show us that he would save us and what he did with his life, that it can be improved on. How much more could he show me or you his love for us, other than the way it was did. You can't rewrite the script. I often have contemplated the passion years ago, thinking about if I could change one thing, if I could improve one thing about Via Della Rosa, or everything leading up to it, what would I change? Nothing. Nothing can be changed. It's perfect. There's nothing in that. Not one spittle in Jesus' face. Not one, one more cloth in it to hold up to his face with the with Veronica. Everything is a script of perfection. While evil at it, God, God always, in the scriptures it talks about, everything works toward good for those who love God. And so we see now a plan already has come that she said January 25th, 1987, a great plan for the salvation of the world that we have a renewed battle, a, new, a renewed invigorated plan of salvation because we rejected the cross. We did it in the 60s. We rebelled. God was dead. And God was finished with this. It's only because the Virgin Mary interceded just at Cana up in heaven this time asking to let her bring the new wine back. Give me the time. Give me the grace. Let me fill my coffers with this grace for people that I can bring up to prayer. Let that prayer increase let me bring it back to you, heaven, every day for blessing of the whole world, that I might make it holy. It's strange we talk about evil time, how bad things are, how wicked things are, how much we degraded since 1981. And Our Lady says, in the midst of that, probably in the 90s, maybe the early thousands, 2000s, where Our Lady says, you're in a holy time. How can you have it both ways? You're in a holy time, and both you're in a wicked time like you've never seen before, except the day before the Noah and the flood. The difference we have from now there is we've got mass production sin. We've got new techniques for sin. We've got things that were inconceivable as far as sin. 
And we got sin in such a way that no one sees it as sin anymore because it's clean. It's, it's false gods that we don't even realize gods. Many people deal with their cell phones as a god. Many people deal with the material aspects of their life as a god. People deal with their their intellectual titles from universities as if, as if it's a god. They go with educa- education as a god. So we've never had things in this way in the history of the world. And to compete with that, that massive prodigy of the devil on every level, from entertainment to the magazines to to new technologies to great advancements to, to the medicine, everything, the prodigies of the devil are everywhere. To compete with that, it's taking Our Lady to come to actually directly talk to us. We wouldn't make it through this time. We don't have the ability to make it through this time. We don't have the ability to see. Our Lady says February 25th, 2011, I think the day, you go on deaf and blind and don't know what this, which way the world's going without my son. An incredible thing. We don't even know what we're doing. We don't even know our sin we commit, thinking it's okay. It's not that bad. Nothing's wrong. We don't need marriage anymore. We have more people not getting married and being together than we've ever had. It's on an increase, not decrease. And so we're, we're forgetting the moral base of what brings peace and what brings stability. And we're very much in a state of unpeace and a very much unstable situation. And you feel it. Those who don't believe in God feel it. Those who are in the economical realm, who depend on their money as God, are unsure about that now. Nobody is solid. Nobody feels comfortable. And so this moment that already came today is great consolation to us who understand at least a little bit in a small way because we won't even see to a a degree of one what somebody to a degree of a hundred will see a hundred years from now because they'll have the luxury of history and seeing what a lady did and how she acted and what passed passed in front of us and what was the reaction of those who walked with our lady, who they were enhanced their walk by what we do today. Our Lady of Medjugorje's April 2nd, 2014th message on the Day of Nonbelievers. Dear children, with a motherly love, I desire to help you for your life of prayer and penance to be a sincere attempt of drawing closer to my Son and His divine light, that you may know how to separate yourselves from sin. Every prayer every Mass, and every fasting is an attempt of drawing closer to my Son, a reminder of His glory and a refuge from sin. It is a way to a renewed union of the good Father and His children. Therefore, my dear children, with hearts open and full of love, cry out the name of the Heavenly Father that he may illuminate you with the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, you will become a spring of God's love. All those who do not know my Son, all those thirsting for the love and peace of my Son, will drink from this spring. 
Thank you. Pray for your shepherds. I pray for them, and I desire that they may always feel the blessing of my motherly hands and the support of my motherly heart. And what we were just saying, that you may know how to separate yourself from sins because we don't know how... Why would a lady say this? Think about this. Be a sincere attempt of drawing closer to my son and his divine light that you may know how to separate yourselves from sin. People knew how to 200 years ago. People don't know how now. The whole culture is based in, in error. It's driven like on top of a wave and a surfboard is hooked to it. And it rides that way and we're driven on by the culture not even realizing the many things we do throughout the day is sin. Sins of omission, sins of, of, of commission. But it's not recognized because it's so normalized it's what everybody else is doing. And we forget that this test on life, when we stand, we're going to be in front of Jesus without anybody else. Barring Our Lady, for those who love her, I bet she'll be there. But we're one alone. Nobody else sinned. Nobody else is going to be the responsible. I can't blame it on the rest of the culture because that's what everybody else did. We thought this was normal behavior. You can't, you can't do that. And so our lady's coming to teach us to give the divine light that you may know how to separate yourselves from sin because it's very difficult. And she goes on and says something. Every prayer, every mass, every fasting is an attempt of drawing closer to my son. We know Our Lady said on the Thursday messages of June 6, 1988, that there's four messages. She says these messages are prayer, peace, fasting, and penance. She doesn't include Mass in that. Some people may not understand that. How could Our Lady do that? Because Jesus didn't give Mass to the apostles to the last of the end of the three years. You have to progress to that to understand the magnitude that Mass is the greatest prayer in the universe. Nothing will ever surpass that. You expect to go get your Ph.D. in first grade? The apostles had to pass through three years of trials and efforts and suffer the Mass and see what it's about to understand it. Our Lady continues in this June 6, 1988 message, says all other messages come from these four basic, basic ones. That, again, is prayer, peace, fasting, and penance. Yet today, she says, know how to separate yourselves from sin. Every prayer, every Mass, and every fasting is a tent. Our Lady just said February 2, 2014. My children, by means of a blessing, God will descend upon you, and you will be able to retain it through Fasting, prayer, purification, and reconciliation. And that matches that June 6, 86 message, even though the translation is fasting, prayer, purification, and reconciliation. The 86 message says prayer, peace, fasting, and penance. So she's got fasting and prayer there. Purification would be the penance. And reconciliation in that February 2nd, 14 message is is peace. Because if you reconcile, you're in peace with God. That's what reconciliation is about, because God is peace. So through reconciliation, you receive peace. So that matches up even February 2nd, 2014, to the four basic messages. And yet our lady says here, every Mass. She's showing us the power of the Mass. She's saying every fasting is an attempt to draw closer. Right? Every Mass, every fasting, every prayer wreck, she says at first, all this mounts up to draw closer to God. 
and His glory and a refuge from sin. But you can't progress to those things without going through the basics of getting there. Conversion. And so people can, they can get confused with this. But it's a confusing world. People don't even know what sin is no more. And that's why it says you don't even know how to separate yourself from it. Because it's so much part of your life. It's the way you wake up. It's the way you go to work. It's the way you do your work. It's the way you leave from work. Everything we do is so wrapped up in materialism, consumerism, that God's not first. You might say he is. You might say you're Catholic. You might be saying you're a Christian. You're a believer. But are we? No, because the lady says, you imagine God as he is. So what do we know? What do we do if we look back on this time 50 years from now? What will we see? What will we understand? These years right now are rolling by so fast. We're in year 33 coming up in June. And yet we're reckless. We're young. We're proud. We think we've had the whole thing figured out. And it's amazing to me that people are saying what Medjugorje was in the early eight, in the mid '80s, they had no clue. They had no clue in the '90s, and they still don't have all the way up to the to this first decade, ten years. We're in we're in year fourteen, and many people, just like Ivan said, do not understand why they comes every day, including priests. But soon, physical changes in the world. Well, she he didn't say soon. He said, but when the physical changes take place on all across the earth, they'll understand why they comes every day. So those who had the luxury of looking back on us, they're going to be in wonder. And they won't, be able to, they, they won't be able to not wonder how we can't look back in history, how Chamberlain got off the plane with the Treaty of Hitler and say, now I have peace. He held this in front of the cameras, holding up, waving it on the plane steps as he came down. We have peace. He's got a treaty. Coming back to Britain, I think it was, with Hitler. And we knew it was a joke. And we think, Putin is not doing the same thing. Where would the seat to? We're in two dungeons of the world for God not to be leading us. So what we know now, we're not going to know nothing compared to that, to what we'll know in the future. And at the past pace we're going, we have to be in prayer. We have to be separating from sin. We have to live right. We have to be renewed on a union with the good Father. Because if we don't, we'll be upside down in this world that's upside down. And Ali don't want us to be there. She wants us to be stable and to lead the others to the Holy Father. That's your life, and that's what you're called to through the messages. It's easy looking back, but hard to understand. How the years can roll so fast And slip right through your hands Changing times and changing dreams Can't help but wonder where we'd be If we knew then what we know now We could have turned the world Young and proud We had the whole thing figured out We never saw the writing on the wall Even though we thought we knew it all 
Burned a million miles of ground We always went too far And never would back down Oh, life is a chance you take You live and die by choices you Had the whole thing figured out We never saw the writing on the wall Even though we thought we knew it all Oh my friend, if we knew then What we know We never saw the writing on the wall. Our lady's coming to show us the writing on the wall. Our lady said, look around, poor children, at the signs of the times. This is an amazing thing if you just stop and pause and reflect. We do have many people now seeing the signs or either the writing on the wall. They just don't know where it's going to. But you think you can just contain this sta- or, or continue your status quo? Forget your direction. Pray, fast, do penance. For God's direction, not your direction, it's the only way you can turn the world upside down to upside right. I was curious about Our Lady's use of the word uh, attempt in her message. She used it twice today and before I ask you what you your thoughts are on that, just as an illustration, this past week, you invited the community to offer a joyful sacrifice of taking a cold shower for a, a grace that has been received in the community. And you asked for volunteers, and some people's hands shot up right away, and then others sort of inched up, and then others didn't volunteer at all. And, and you sort of encouraged everybody 
to at least attempt this sacrifice. Do you think this is somewhat of the spirit of what Our Lady's saying in this message? Well, what she asks of us is hard to do. She wants us to do penance. <clears throat> uh, I got a call that night from Tony's house from the granddaughter, Lucy. How was Lucy three? She's on the phone. She says, I did it. And I got in and I went, ee! <laughs> and I jumped out. She tempted to do what we asked her to do, but she just couldn't take it. And Victoria gets on the phone and she says, I did it, I did it. And she's screaming, it was, it was bad, it's awful. And she says, and I'm going to do it every night till Easter gets here. <laughs> so her attempt is successful. Not only is it successful with mortification, she's going to do it every night until Easter. And so you think, well, that's no big deal. Try it. <laughs> you go do that in a cold shower. Don't warm the cold water up. And it's been cold here, so water in the ground is still cold. And it's, it's painful. But it's good mortification. It brings you to humility. It makes you even see what the future may be like. I don't remember Medjugorje that, that you, they didn't take baths but once a month. I was there one February, and I went for a whole week. And finally after, not a whole week, but in midweek, I took a shower, and I understand why they didn't get, there's nowhere to go warm, get warm. The, the tile is cold. The marble floors are cold, cold. Everything's concrete. There's nothing heated there. There's no stores to step in to get warm. You get cold, you're freezing to death, and you get chills. I mean, it's, it's awful. But anyway, this sacrifice we made, everybody ended up going to do that. And I challenge everybody in the community, especially those of us tonight, to continue to Easter. Victoria's doing it. She's number, what, five? So it's an impulse that you can come up with things and be creative and give God something to do. But it's an attempt because we're not always as successful. We want to be good. We don't want to sin. We don't want to fall. And Our Lady says, I desire to help you for your life of prayer and penance to be a sincere attempt of drawing closer to God and His divine light. Everything in the culture stops you from drawing closer to God. Stops marriages from being holier. Stops individuals from, from being able to meditate and reflect. We're assaulted constantly both in traffic, both at home, both everywhere. From just, just the, we're oversated with information. We used to go down in New York, Manhattan, and pass out things about. Uh, we I made uh, back in the late eighties, early nineties flyers that said the the, the greatest news that because eighty percent of the news came out of Manhattan. So we'd go on the corner, pass out about Medjugorje, pass out flyers that just said. Uh, the greatest news today, bigger than ABC, bigger than all the news media, all together, all the world's news, if you put it together, doesn't equal this. It's really a pretty neat thing. We probably should resurrect this. And we'd pass it out. Half the people wouldn't even take it because they're so sated with information. They're so assaulted, even back then. And you can imagine now with cell phones and, and texting and everything that takes place, they're over-informationed. They don't want anything else. So it's difficult even to penetrate that circle of activity around the individual. Our lady's having a hard time. If she didn't come in 1981, she couldn't establish what she's established now. She established it just before, just five or six years before the fax machine came home. And I'm convinced the timing was the latest moment she could come in history, but she couldn't come any earlier. It's the exact moment her time started was at a perfect time to get 
us who went there back in the early 80s, found out about it in 83, couldn't get there till 86, to get us established. And a lot of those people fell away. Not everybody's still with, with the Medjugorje world. Some's come back to it. Many of those in the beginning wandered off into other things or other ministries. They never, they never grasped the significance of how big this was. You stay with what is. And what can bring the most conversion? For hours spent in work, the results of the most and greatest souls to be converted. Why would you want to do any other ministry? This is it. This is the plan. A great plan for the salvation of the world. So this sincere attempt to draw closer to my son and his divine light, that you know how to separate yourself from every sin, every prayer, every mass, and every fasting is an attempt to draw closer to God. Well, Satan's going to attack you. It's not going to just happen that you're going to have you're going to be successful every attempt. But that doesn't matter. We fall down, we get up. We have to start again. We have to do a new beginning. We have to recognize our weakness. We have to recognize that God is the only way to do it. Jesus is sent him yes. He has to be the strength. Because we we put in prayer for the God, boat of God, naked, weak, and wretched. This is who we are. We recognize that here in our community. We recognize in everybody out there. The world is, is, is weak on God. We don't have the strength. We don't have the fiber of the other Christians. They live harsh. We live comfort. Our lady's asking for a harshness out of us, like cold showers. And I challenge everybody's assistance. You go try this tomorrow or tonight even. You won't take a long shower. And it's difficult. And it's, and it's not fun. But you know what? When you get out, you feel good. You feel good you did it. You sleep better. And, and it makes you want to attempt to do it the next night. And I'm continuing. I think some other people in the community will be continuing. Because it feels good to the soul and bad for the flesh. And so this attempt to draw closer to God is assaulted and stopped. Yvonne, we quoted him something he said is really incredible. He gave some incredible direction. And remember, he sees the Virgin Mary, so he's not just giving an opinion of direction. This is something that emulates from him. He learned this directly from the lips of heaven, the sweet lips who gave the wisdom and talked to Jesus when he was born all the way to talk to him at the cross. And, and surely talked to him, holding him in Michelangelo's rendition of, of the Pieta, dead. You don't think she was sweet, whispering sweet words to him, knowing he could, he could hear? Not in his life body, but in his God. Ivan says, Our Lady insists that all people on earth be in prayer groups. He didn't say that Our Lady would suggest you be in prayer, prayer groups. He says, Our Lady insists, this is a quote, Our Lady insists that all people on earth be in prayer groups. Why is that? He continues, he says, She knows what lies ahead. This is back early, early in the early 80s. We didn't even imagine we'd be in the state we're in as far as a culture. So Ivan went and warned about when there's division and fighting in prayer groups. Ivan says this. He says that that shows Satan's hatred for prayer groups. Can you imagine that? Our Lady once says the best form of prayer is community prayer. What is prayer group? Community prayer. And Satan hates it. Why does he hate it? Ivan continues, says, 
that show Satan's hatred for prayer groups, where there is much temptation, he warned, take the dissension as a warning of the future, for the future, rather. If Satan works so hard now to destroy, you can be sure he's setting a course for future victory for himself. In other words, he knows that he has to work with all his might, all his strength, everything he can, in every possible way, through dissension, through the wedges, through people in the purgatory fighting each other, to destroy that and being successful in his attempt to stop it, he then sets a course for his future victory. This was Yvonne's words. You can be sure he is setting a course for his future victory for himself if he can destroy it. That's why he wants to. That's why he hates it. When Yvonne was asked, what does he want, Satan? He says, quote, human souls. He continues, prayer groups are a protection for the triumph of Satan. A better translation with that would be, prayer groups give you protection from the attacks of the devil and him reigning victoriously. Ivan continues, he says, wherever or whether, whenever there is dissension, pray and fast often. Then he says three things. He gives us his instructions. Remember, this is not Yvonne's opinion. This is not a conclusion. This is not something being in apparitions and putting a bunch of messages together and interpret them. He hears this from our lady. Three things he says of advice to do in this circumstances where Satan's trying to destroy your prayer groups, where he doesn't want you in a prayer group to start to stop you from joining the prayer group, or your CSPGs, which is they fire the first shot, where he don't want these things to exist and why it's so important. It's three things. He says, number one, this is what you do. You fast on bread and water only. Number two, do this fast three days a week. Number three, you do it until the dissension stops. Incredible. That's it. So you pray, you fast on bread and water. You do it three times a week. And you continue this as long as you have to until the dissension stops and goes away. It may take you years. But you don't stop it. This is an ingredient. This isn't theoretical. This works. We've seen this in our mission repeatedly through the years. We're headed toward our third decade here. We know this works. And we know it doesn't happen overnight. Because Satan hates what we do. And when we get attacked, we know what we're doing at that moment. It's something Satan really wants to stop. He hates it. Yvonne said about why we must pray and why we must fast. He says, because, quote, prayer without fasting is like a soldier with one leg. He is easily defeated. You're not going to fast. You're not going to pray. Don't expect victory. Don't expect any sincere attempt to draw a conclusion of being achieved. Don't accept any attempt that fails that to draw you closer to his son. Our day's not guaranteed your attempt is successful because sometimes even a good man is put up to fall for cognition, to humble him, to bring them to closer to God through the fall. The poor man God speaks about this. God sometimes let this happen. And so we see these things that, that Our Lady, we know we see failure, different things for the purpose of cognition. And you got to get back up you got to do the attempt again. So our lady's not going to say something, your sincere achievement in drawing closer to God or your 
your fasting is a, a, an achievement of drawing closer to my son. The attempt, she, she knows the attempt carries with it temptation, and sometimes people fall from temptations. And so she said, for, she gave another message years ago, forget your sins of the past. Don't dwell on them. I want you to move forward. Use that cognition to be a new initiative to get up and stand up and say, I won't do it again. I won't be there. I won't go there. And so Our Lady wants in this the refuge from sin, and it's a way to be a renewed union of the good father and his children. There's a, well, there's a couple of, a lot of angles that could, this message can be looked at. Uh, first of all, just to, not to lose the thread of where you are at the moment, Our Lady's use uh, are speaking about what you were just speaking about, and then Our Lady continues saying every prayer, every mass, every fasting is an attempt to draw closer to my son. And then she throws in one small part of a sentence here where she says, a reminder of his glory. And how how is it, how is that, that uh, all of these things, these attempts, everything is a reminder of his glory? Well, let's go back to the Thursday message when Our Lady says, Satan has special plans to tempt you. And I add this week to that. That's not in the message, but I was... I was struck by that on Cross Mountain reading that for the first time. I wasn't there when that message was read. I was there in the time that the Thursday messages were being given. It was an incredible, glorious moment to see these Croatian women, dirty from the fields, dirt on them, have a little writing pad and a pencil. There's no pen. Still communism. And writing there as the priest read the Thursday message from the altar. It's just the memory of seeing that is an incredible. I, I felt, what am I here for? What am I watching? What am I part of? And so the Thursday messages were being given in that sense, and the the attempt. I'm sorry. What was the back part of your question? Because well, about the how how was all of this a reminder of his glory? Uh, the reminder of glory. I'm on, on Cross Mountain, and I read that message about this week. This is what's going to happen. The next week, Thursday, Ali appears, and she sits there and says, um, she thanks us. She thanks the villagers, especially because these were the villagers she was speaking to at that moment to form them, that you've given Jesus the victory. And when she didn't come to them and say, oh, you resisted the temptation, you've given the victory to Jesus. So that brings glory to him. And so everything points back to the glory. So the attempt of what we're, we're, our lady's trying to do is really doing what she said August 2nd, 1981. A great struggle is about to unfold between my son and Satan, human souls are Satan. Even I just said, what does Satan want? He wants souls. Every soul that God takes is a victory. And it glorifies God because he has more people in heaven singing Hosanna, more people with love praising him, and more people on earth doing the same. And so this brings glory to God. We see times in France history that they were a glorious country, an incredible country. The eldest daughter of the church, they've fallen mightily. But there is a small resurgence happening. That's what I just come back for, just to research, renew our union. She wants France renewed. She wants America renewed. If my people turn from their wicked ways, turn their face toward me, I will renew them. I will heal the land. And so we're all on the verge of this. This is coming. Is everybody going to be with us? No. A lot of people don't want delivery. I want, I need delivery. And we have so much happening. It feels like many people can't go on. Things are difficult. The, the road we've been on for 30, 33 years with the apparitions is, is, I mean, even the visionaries, they're worn. Mariana doesn't always like to go out 
in the crowds because, you know, there's, there's so many people pressuring and pushing. She don't know what may happen. But I know Maria, Maria's doing this. It's amazing to me to see Maria still doing what she It's amazing for me to see Yvonne go up, still do the bear grips every week. It's not new to him. He don't have the freshness of that. It's, a, it's, it's duty. His witnesses, I wrote today, was exemplary. That he's con- His constancy in doing this to make Our Lady available to those thousands of people up there is not necessarily something fun for him. It's routine. It's normal. And it's work. It'd be much easier just to stay home and do his rosary or be with his family or be with even friends. You say, well, he wouldn't see Our Lady. Well, that's one thing that gives him consolation. But I can tell you, it's still difficult. I went with Maria to the mountain when she was still going to the prayer group. It wasn't always a pleasant experience. Just being around the people and things that happen, it's, it's difficult. Especially you've got kids at home, she's got to go back and do that, and she's up on the mountain, or even before that, and the duties she has to clean the house. And, you know, it's a big interruption in her life. You say, well, I'd do that if I could see the Virgin Mary. You have no idea what comes with it. So we need to be delivered. We need to be crying out to God because this, this road is, is, a, is very winding and very, it's, it's in many ways too long. I like a lady sees time in heaven, and she calls, we would say, well, this time is nothing. It's true. But she also says, you know, I've been with you a long time. Because in a human, human life, or life of man, this is a long time. Well, we're sinners, and we sin, and we need to be washed clean. And she's come for this to show us how to do this. As the ocean and right as rain, this powerful emotion lifts me up above the plain, taking me to places I've never thought I'd go, showing me a grace I never thought I'd know. When I And way too long you 
In the message today, Our Lady said, Through the Holy Spirit, you will become a spring of God's love. All those who do not know my Son, all those thirsting for the love and peace of my Son, will drink from this spring. And this struck me, not just this particular phrase, but it struck me that in all of the second of the month messages for a long time now, Our Lady gives these instructions of what she wants us to do, and then it always leads to... If you do these things, then you are going to be this conduit, this uh, spring, she says today, for all those who don't know God's love, for all those who don't know her son. And I'll just give one other example. On January 2nd of this year, she says, you'll be led by the love and strength of my son. You'll be my apostles who everywhere will spread the fruits of God's love. She says, my son will then act from within you and through you because you will be one. So this this description of what we're going to be, be filled with is really intriguing to me. How that's going to look, how that's going to feel, and I'd like you to respond to that. Well, any initiative or any attempt to launch an initiative has to have a has to have a base. the The principle of four basic messages is to give a give enough prayer, to give enough fasting, to give enough peace, to give enough reconciliation or penance if you want to match whatever translation that would be, that we could be open to understand the significance of Holy Mass. That Our Lady says, don't go to Mass without preparation before Mass. And don't leave Mass without proper thanksgiving. That if you understood the greatness of the Mass, you would prepare at least an hour before. These are incredible words. Are we able to hear that? and go right into that message and say, well, I'm going to do that without growing from the four basic things. So the initiative of what Our Lady's asking of us in this being filled with the Holy Spirit and being a spring is that we have, she has to find people that she can use to launch the initiative, people willing to say yes at this time and be tried by a purifying fire of trials, difficulties, failures, cognition, how they made it, how they became holy, how they became saints, because don't make any mistake about it. I had someone tell me, say, well, I don't want to be a saint. I said, then you're going to go to hell. She says, I don't want to go to hell, and I'm not going to go to hell if I'm not a saint. I says, only saints are in heaven. All the church does is when they name a saint and canonize them, is say they are factually in heaven, in other words. We know it to be known that this person is in heaven. But everybody in heaven is a saint. That's why they're there. So we have to understand that. Just like um, <clears throat> when uh, Mother Teresa was passing the Swiss Guard, somebody stopped to ask her. Um, they, they said, to her, oh, you're, you're a saint. And in her humility, you think she'd say, no, 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 don't say that to me. She said, we're all called to be saints. So there's a recognition of truth with that. And for these springs to well up and be able to feed other people, you have to have cognition, and you have to have truth. Pope Francis said something really incredible this last week. He gave three things that, that, are, that I found very interesting. Of course, he's talking to the communication media because it's so full of untruth. It's one big slander, one big lie, one dis- distortion. I've said on several past shows, I've been reading a book, Disinformation. You need to read it. It's a very laborious book about midway through it. I don't like the way it's written in the middle of it. The beginning is excellent. There's things about Putin in it. There's things about Khrushchev in it. There's things about the United States. There's things about why we're suffering, what we're suffering to this day right now at this moment. 
how they wrap a kernel of truth in the middle of every lie and surround it with another hundred lies around it and make the whole thing truth, at least confuse. And they change the past and history and reputations and slander people who, who sh- are, are really heroic people in the past, like Pope Pius, and call him Hitler's Pope and give enough inf- disinformation out there and print enough things out there about evidence that's false to make people be confused. There's so much research that, that journalists quote other journalists because there's so much out there they think it's truth. All false. And so to be a spring, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what are we going to be like? We'll be calamized. We'll, be, we'll, we'll have all these things against us. But Pope Francis, speaking about the media, communication media, I think it's the answer to part of what you're asking. To be the spring, we have to do the same thing. He said there's three routes. One is the path of truth. Number two is the path of goodness. And three is the path of beauty. And he talks about the first truth and then the second goodness and the third beauty have to all be consistent with each other. Not anyone can be above the other in, in the sense of this is okay and then we give a little bit of untruth inconsistently with the third thing, beauty versus truth or goodness versus beauty. So all three of these have to be consistent. He says, on this path of truth, these three routes can find mistakes and even traps. And that's what we see in the media, and that's what we see in our spiritual lives. That's all the things that we, that we run across. In other words, one might think or say, I think I look for truth. And Francis says in response to that, be careful not to become an intellectual without intelligence. Beautiful statement. I love that statement. Incredible. I always say there's many people out there educated beyond their intelligence. He says the same thing. Be careful not to become an intellectual without intelligence. We see this everywhere because they think they got a piece of paper, they're intelligent, and they're not. Some of the most gravest errors are coming out of the universities with people who have these big theological degrees and secular degrees and all kind of titles that mean nothing. Because what's important is salvation. What's important is changing the world and keeping more values up. Universities have become a factory of immorality and promoting and devaluing, devaluing belief in God and the value of having a God, except your own God that you'd make. And the second thing, goodness, you can say, I go in search of goodness. But he says, be careful not to be teaching ethics without goodness. So we have all these ethical courses. We have this in the universities. We have teaching ethics at companies. They bring in all these things, but they teach it without goodness. It's just a standard that they establish by man. It's not absolute truth. It's the truth of what they want to say. Well, this is ethical. And many of those things are unethical. And a lot of them are ridiculous if you look at them, if you've been to some of these courses. I've had people tell me, I work for IBM. We have to go in this room. We have to get sensitivity classes. We have to do the absurd stuff. The third thing Pope Francis talked about is beauty. He says, I like beauty, yes, but be careful not to do what is frequently done. Do not look for cosmetics to create an artificial beauty that does not exist. We make what is ugly beautiful. We're trying to change everything in the morals and the commandments and the culture. We're trying to say it's okay. We're trying to cosmetically wrap it up. Even the women running around, putting more makeup on than they should, trying to make something that's beautiful is not. What God gave you, you gave you. Accent yourself. Don't cover it up and try to make yourself more beautiful. You look stupid. 
And we have this everywhere, the magazine covers, the billboards, everything. We're over-maked up. We're over-fake. And there's no beauty to that. I tell you, somebody doesn't have natural beauty, if they've got a beautiful heart, they've got God's love in them, they, they are appealing. There's something that draws you to them. There's something that's a magnetism they have. I mean, how many old wrinkled up mamas that you see at 65, 70 years old that people love? And they say, oh, she's beautiful. It's not just physical. And physical helps. But you can't cover that up or you can't make something that's not beautiful and beautiful. You can't have a, 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 well, the Bible says it. A rebellious woman is, a rebellious woman is as a gold ring in a pig snout. You can't say it any clearer than that. That's Proverbs, I think. I love the verse. You can be beautiful, but you're ugly. You act ugly. Who's going to want something like that? Who wants to be around somebody like that? You actually affect your countenance. I've seen people that, that for years you've known, they really were beautiful people. And they became uglier and uglier and uglier. The more angry they became, the more, more. And they, it ages. I, I believe there's a physical manifestation of beauty of a soul in the flesh. You see it on countenance. Look at the countenance. Countenance, this, I already said that. What was the message she said a few months ago about your countenance? That let, let God see it in your, or let people see your your beauty in your countenance. Do you remember exactly? Joy, joy will be seen in the faces. I think. Yeah, joy will be seen in the face. You can see that. And joy always brings a smile to somebody else or something lighthearted or some, something that lifts you up. And so we forget all these things because we don't remember really how God, God is. And we want cosmetically to create something that's artificial, an artificial beauty that doesn't, it doesn't exist. And this whole culture is based in this thing. And so we have these situations coming about in us, and we're called to be beautiful. And Our Lady said it. Everybody in the world wants to be beautiful. And I'm beautiful because I love. And she don't need any makeup. God's got her accented just the way she needs to be. And you see these pictures, and you see the one that Yvonne described, the artist, and how beautiful Our Lady's face is. It's incredible. And in fact, the most beautiful thing that God ever made if you count the angels, you count the universe, you count the stars, the galaxies, you put the whole universe together, nothing defines beauty to the definition, to the fullness, as is the Virgin Mary and her looks and how she is. She is the paramount beauty. She is the definition of what beauty is. God spared nothing, nothing in her creation. And she tells us many things the way she dresses. Her hair is shown all the way to her waist. What does that tell you? Think about that. Why would she need that in heaven? Why would she even show it in the, in, in the scenes in the apparition? Through the veil, this hair this long. You think there's something to it? Read the scriptures about that. So we, we've lost beauty. We're artificial, we're fake, and we walk that way, and we live in sin because we don't even know it. And that's why he says, I come to tell you that you may know how to separate yourself from every sin. We don't know that. We need that. We've been living in community for 27 years. We need that. We need to know that. We need strength for that. We need to take cold showers. We need mortification. We need to fast. We need to do our rosary. We need to, we need to be up 5 o'clock in the morning every day doing hours worth of prayer just to stay and retain what she said on February 2nd, 
You'll be able to retain through fasting, prayer, purification, and reconciliation. We have to do that to be the spring that's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit to bring others to say, I'm thirsting for the love and peace of this Christ you carry, and I want to drink from your witness. That's who you are. That's who you're called to be. And so we, we say, hey, God, do that. We ask God to help us. We have our ways. We have our plans. But God's got his. And, and when we see the grace we're getting, we're humbled by that. The blessings we enjoy on a daily basis, I'm humbled by that. I'm sitting on my front porch Sunday. I rarely get to do that. But I'm saying that it's a beautiful day. And here comes a whole trail of people I can see out, out into the field. And they're walking one after another. And I know who they are. They come every day, every Sunday, month after month. And for years, a group of Koreans, 18, 20 of them, they parked their vans and cars at the bottom of the hill. They truck out there on the, tra- the field. And they go out there and sing to Our Lady. And I'm thinking about how beautiful this is. And I admire them. They're consistent. Rain and shine, they're out there. And I think... What a beautiful, beautiful scene. I stayed out to the whole time. They'd stand there. They'd do the singing. And I've been out there. When you see them stand there and sing to Our Lady in, in, in their language, it's, it's so sweet that something just moves your spirit. And then so they, they're out there 20, 30 minutes. I see them trekking back out. I sit along the field, and I'm just thanking God, you know, that this field is here, that they can go where the Our Lady appeared and all this. And what a, what a beautiful thing. And then it struck me. We go out every single day for the rosary, rain or shine, and we see our kids out there. And the beauty we have is like right here, I saying you may may know how to separate yourself from sins. We've grown so accustomed that we're not even aware of the beauty we have on a normal basis. That is that a group of people could be in the mountains, they can be down the road at some of the hayfields, they can be at the tabernacle, they can be all over the grounds in the houses, and the bells ringing. We all trail out from different directions, where we are from the shops, wherever, to come together as a body of people and pray. Rain, sunshine, heat, cold, and it's beautiful. And here I'm here I am admiring these Koreans, and we do this ourselves, and. People come here and see us, and they say, this is beautiful the way they live. And I never looked at it from those. I, you hear it. You hear words. But because I was doing that, I understand more what I appreciate the Koreans doing, what people appreciate out of us. So God's got something mysterious that's hard to understand for us. And the graces we receive, when we contemplate that, I was humbled by that. And it's by His grace that He could do everything. And I, liked, and I thank God. And that's what we all should be saying. I just want to thank you for my life. No matter how good or how bad things are, you've got a lot to say, hey, God, thank you. Hey, God, I don't believe I ever thanked you. For the time my brother got sick Wasn't sure he'd make it Then he finally pulled through Hey God I want to thank you for my family They're healthy and they're beautiful We were gonna stop at two Now there's number three 
You have your ways You have your plan Sometimes mysterious And hard to understand I am humbled by your grace In everything you do Hey God Hey God I just want to thank you Hey God Take good care of my nephew he was only 19, they say he didn't feel a thing Now he's there with you And hey God You know what it's like to lose Someone who you truly love When you gave your son to us You must have cried then too You have your ways You have your plan Sometimes mysterious and hard to understand I am humbled by your grace And everything you do Hey God Hey God I just want to thank you Sometimes I forget want to thank you Thank you Our Lady said in the message today cry out the name of the Heavenly Father that he may illuminate you and I just wanted to read something from the poem of the man-god that I know struck you earlier and that you had insight into. This is Jesus speaking. He says, My true name, it is known to me only. But when the number of the chosen ones is complete and among hymns of jubilation they sit at the great wedding feast of the bridegroom and the bride, then my name will be made known to my chosen ones, who through their loyalty to it have become holy, without, however, knowing the full extent and the depth of what it means to be marked with my name and rewarded because of their love for it, or what the reward will be. This is what I want to give to my faithful sheep, and that is my own joy." 
I find this very intriguing because we just read a couple uh, last month, I think, about Revelation 19, where it talks about Jesus coming back on horses and he has his name inscribed and no one knows the name but himself. And here in Poor Man God, this is repeating this. No one knows his name. Well, we know who the Savior is. We know who the Lord is. It's Jesus Christ. And yet in Revelation, it says, My name will be known, made known to the chosen ones. And he says, But only I know my name. It doesn't make sense unless you really understand that there's something about the name of Christ we don't understand. Once we're labeled that, and what you just read talked about those who are the loyalty, they have loyalty to them, without having the full extent and depth of what that means to be marked with the name of Christ as we know it. And so Christ's name means more than we can know at this point. Yes, we know he's the Savior. Yes, we know all these things. We know that. But there's something to be marked with the name of Christ that we're going to understand in the future that is of a depth that we can't even imagine in knowing his name. And so Revelation 19 talks about that. Only he himself knows his name. And yet Revelation 19 goes in about his name and says it's the word. So we know it's Jesus Christ. So there's revelation coming to us at the end that when we bear his name, it's going to have some significance of perhaps being so Christ-like that we feel we share in his divinity. I don't mean as a God, but, but he'll give us a draught of what that's like, perhaps. We don't know. It's a mystery. But there's something very beautiful about that. And we have things in, in our culture today going away from the name. It doesn't mean anything. People's name don't think they don't think about that. If you go in our school, our Lady Victory School, you'll see on the front of every desk how each one of the students in that school, from the twelfth grade, well, the eleventh grade, there's no twelfth graders this year, has the whole story of their name, their first name, not just their last name. Because we don't name our children here in the community. We haven't done that since nineteen eighty eight. I was so strong in prayer when Maria was here during the apparitions, I felt God's impulse, don't name this child. Don't ascribe a name to him. I will name him. Did I hear it like that? No. I just intuitively knew I'm not going to name the child. That God would provide the name. And so it is Maria. I remember sitting on the couch. What are you going to name the baby? Let's think about this. Do you know if it's a boy or a girl? No. Back then you didn't even know. And we still don't do that because we think that's wrong. We, we want to know... What as a boy or girl when it comes out, the joy that that brings. And so we don't plan the names. We don't look at it. But everybody here is named by God. It's too long to go into. We don't have the time for that tonight. But Joseph Michael was the first one. An incredible story. Straight out of heaven, his name was given. And this started a precedent within the community. And everybody will testify that God literally has named the children here. Why would he not? If you want it, he'll give it. Names mean something. Last names even mean more. Now we're changing that in marriage. The woman don't take the husband's name or they take two names. We, 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 we demean everything that's sacred. A last name has a purpose. And this society is throwing that away with everything else. And so with that, you start losing those principles. It erodes all of the principles. It's like breaking a commandment. You break one, you break them all. I learned how to write it when I first started school. 
Some bully didn't like it He said it didn't sound too cool So I had to hit him And all I said when the blood came It's my last name Grandpa took it off to Europe To fight the Germans in the war It came back on some dog tags Nobody wears no more It's written on a headstone In the field where he was slain It's my last name Passed down from generations Too far back to trace I can see all my relations When I look into my face Never make it famous, but I'll never bring it shame. It's my last name. Daddy always told me, far back as I recall, son, you're part of something. You represent us all. So keep it how you got it. As solid as it came, it's my last name Passed down from generations, too far back to trace I can see all my relations when I look into my face Got you here tonight. I want to be your husband. I want you to be my wife. I ain't got much to give you. What I've got means everything. It's my last name. Oh, it's my last name. How to write it when I first started school. Cry out the name of the Holy Father. It is sacred and to be revered. It means something because He is your Father. And that means you're something bigger than you are. And it's passed from generation to generation to us now. And we should all be saying, thank you, Father, for letting us call you Father. We're a people blessed beyond our capability to understand it. Thank you, Father. Good night. We wish Our Lady. We love you. Good night.